So good afternoon, everybody. So today we're celebrating the baptism of Jesus. And in each of the different gospels uh, gives an account of our Lord's baptism. We read today from Matthew chapter 3, a very brief account of his baptism by John. But if you pay attention to sort of the way the Gospel of John, in a certain sense, most of the Gospels, at least the synoptic ones, are arranged, there's something missing. You go back and you focus on chapters 1 and 2, there is a character, an individual, who plays an integral part, even more important, it seems, in the times that this individual is mentioned or referred to in the whole action of the first two chapters, than even the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that is Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph is mentioned in the line of David, going down in the genealogy. The angel appears to him and says, take Mary as your uh, wife, Everything's going to be okay. The angel appears to him and says, I need you to take him to Egypt and then to come back. Joseph is the central character, and then when you switch to chapter 3, he disappears. Completely and totally disappears. And this, from sort of a perspective of storytelling or literature, is strange. Over the holidays, I watched Moana. Never watched it before. It's like Pooh the Pig cute little pig at the beginning is there and you're like this is going to be the super cute pig throughout the movie and then he totally disappears but they focus on that stupid chicken <laughs> and in the end the pig comes back but why it doesn't make any sense or again i'm trying to speak to the generation it's like charles minor charles minor was the character played by idris elba in one of those middle seasons of the office when steve carell went to do movies and he was terrible he was boring and he wasn't funny then all of a sudden poof he disappeared never to see him again. So why is it that Joseph disappears when he is arguably the central character of the first two chapters? Well, tradition gives us an explanation that right before Christ's public ministry began, Joseph died. And so as a result of it, he becomes the patron of a good death. And so if you really sort of pay attention to some of the art, you'll often see Joseph there, and it looks like he's dying, and Jesus and Mary are there with him, uh, praying with him, being with him, as he passes from this life to the next. Now, even though Joseph was holy, and he was a saint, as I was thinking about this and realizing it, I couldn't help but wonder, is Joseph tempted to be disappointed or a little frustrated? He put in 30 years of work. He did all of this, forming Jesus, protecting Mary, guiding them, doing all this stuff, and he doesn't get to see any of Jesus' public ministry. He's not there for the miracles. He's not there for the passion. He's not there for the resurrection. It's kind of a bummer. He did all this work. Why don't I get to see the results the public ministry, the glorification of the Messiah. And I'm not saying that Joseph was upset or bothered by this at all. Joseph, of course, as we'll see, was able to push through this. But as I was praying about it, I think I kind of maybe potentially found, at least scripturally, the reason. 
going back to Matthew chapter 1, Joseph is born and he is a descendant in the line of David to show that Jesus was in the line of David and therefore was a king, to share in that kingship. But there's something else that we notice as we know about the life of David. David, during his life, even though he made some mistakes, had a great desire to build a temple for God, a holy of holies to be housed. This was his great passion, but he didn't get to fulfill it. He laid the foundation for the temple to be built, but ultimately he was not allowed to build it. Not because he did anything wrong necessarily, because in God's plan and design, it was the duty of Solomon, his son. And so David laid the groundwork, but he never got to see the results, the fruit. That was left for Solomon to do. And so in the very same way, Joseph in the line of David lays the foundation, raises Jesus, protects Mary, guides them, but he doesn't get to see the results of his work. And so if we meditate on this, the point in saying this is not just to realize it, but how can we relate that to our own lives? How can we relate this frustration or this reality to our lives? Because we do not handle these things as well as Joseph. What lesson or lessons can we learn? The first one I think is this is that we can learn detachment, particularly from results and the results of our work. And so we can go and we want to put forth uh, hard work. We want to absolutely do our best in our faith and in our schoolwork, in our work at home, our work at the workplace, and have that right attitude. We want to do our best and we want to see results. But if we don't see results, it's okay. What really matters is the work that we put into it. But we live in a culture where the results matter. If you don't have results, if you are not productive, if you don't see fruit, then your work really isn't any good. But what happens is we put so much emphasis on the results that we end up getting so anxious and frustrated and despair when things don't work out. Again, I'm not saying that we, particularly as students, shouldn't care about grades. Or if we're at work, we shouldn't care about uh, doing a good job and doing a day's work, or particularly with our family, that our children turn out well and that we provide for them. But the truth is, sometimes, no matter how much work you put into it, things aren't going to work out. Or at least you're not going to get the chance to see the results. You won't be able to see the fruit. And so Joseph shows us, as he put forth his all effort, that you've got to learn to let it go. That we, what matters, what we're judged upon, is how much work we put into it. When I was younger, if I came back with a bad grade, my dad would say, did you try your hardest? Did you spend time studying? And I would say yes. Well, he goes, well, you tried your best. And so that's okay. The problem would have been if I didn't try. And so it's detachment from those results and from the fruit. Because the truth is, whatever results come from it, don't belong to us. And in a very real way, nothing belongs.
comes to us and for parents here, particularly pointing to St. Joseph, especially our kids don't belong to us. Jesus did not belong to St. Joseph. None of our children belong to us. They're all gifts. And so sometimes we have got to let go of results and at times let go of them. We can't possess. We can't grasp. We have to be let it go, let it go. Because ultimately it's all a gift from God and it's all God's work. It's all from the Father and we got to give it back to him even if we don't see results. The second thing that we can sort of learn is the fact that we can often have an attitude of entitlement. Well, I did this, I put forth this effort, I made this investment, and so I did what I was told to do, but I want to see results, and I have this coming to me. Now granted, this is a reality of people feeling, particularly we're talking about relationship with God, that they don't get what they deserve. I was really holy. I followed the Ten Commandments. I didn't get what I deserved. It's not fair. And so we particularly get mad at God. Sort of turn around and sort of pout like children. Now in human relations, there's justice. And we often can do something and we deserve something back as a result of it. But when it comes to our relation with the Lord and our service of him, doing whatever he asks us to do, he owes us nothing. Zero. We are there as his children. He asks us to do it, and we can't claim that he deserve, we deserve anything. Some sort of a pride, some sort of a pat on the back. He'll occasionally give it to us, but we are there to serve and glorify him. We've got to be very, very careful when the attitude of entitlement enters in that I did these holy things, I follow the Lord, and therefore I deserve something. Joseph never had that. Joseph maybe was tempted towards it, but said, hey, this is the work, I'm giving it to you, you take care of it, I deserve nothing in return, I am simply your servant. And third and finally, and probably the most important, and I got this point from an article I read over the course of the past couple of weeks that's floating around Facebook, is that our vocation, what we are called to do, whether it be a certain state of life or a certain mission that we are given, is not about us. It's not about me as an individual. But yet so often one of the guiding principles for discernment is what will make me happy? What will fulfill me? And we sit there and try to figure it out. We do all of this rumination about ultimately whatever's going to make me happy and make me fulfilled is what God wants me to do. Well, that's simply not the truth. And the Lord, of course, wants us to be happy. He wants us to be fulfilled. But that attitude is the vocation becomes about me. The Lord wants everything for me, and we're approaching it from the completely wrong perspective. And I think that might be part of the reason that a lot of people have a hard time really stepping out of the boat and following Christ. Because the truth is, stepping out of the boat and possibly drowning is not necessarily good for me. Instead, the article claims, and I agree with it, the questions that should guide our discernment is, 
how can I die for Jesus? How can I best serve the Lord and my brothers and sisters? How can I best lose my life to find it? And this is certainly essential to St. Joseph. His whole vocation was there. Hey, you're not in it for you, St. Joseph. You're here to protect and provide for the Holy Family. You're here to raise Jesus. And Joseph never thought, well, it's about me. No, it's very clear. It's not about you. It's about Mary. It's about Jesus. It's about the bigger picture. Wasn't interested in what made him happy, but he found joy and happiness and could have a happy death because he lived for the other and because he was willing to do the Lord's will. And so to wrap this up, what was it that enabled Joseph to be able to do this? To be able to have this attitude and avoid these pitfalls that we so often are tempted by are succumbed to. And I think the answer is pretty simple. And whether or not it started off this way, I can tell you that for Joseph it grew this way and it ended this way. Because Joseph did what he was supposed to do. Not because he had to. Not simply because it was the right thing to do, even though he was a just man. Not because it was his duty. But because St. Joseph loved. It may not have started that way. But gradually, he worked into that. Because a person who truly loves and serves the Lord and others out of love is going to be detached from results. I'm doing this because I love you, not because I want to see results. It's great if we see fruit, but I'm serving you not because of what you get out of it, or even worse, what I get out of it. Second, there's no entitlement in love. It's like saying, I'm giving this gift to you because I expect something back. No, love never expects anything back. And Joseph didn't expect anything in return. It was a joy to give and to serve for the sake of serving. And of course, it really shows that it's not about you. Calling The call to love is the call to serve, the call to give of oneself and to put oneself off the side. So that's the real difference between us and St. Joseph is that so often our faith and our service, either as a whole or in certain instances, is not guided by love of God and love of neighbor, but instead by our own self-interest. And so whenever we see ourselves falling into these traps, what immediately we said is, the problem is, is I don't know how to love, or I'm not loving in this situation. Unfortunately, for Joseph, as times when he loved more, he was able to love better. And so that's what we ask for St. Joseph to intercede for us to begin this new year. So that through putting others first, ourselves last, we may grow in love and ability to commit, to let go and to be detached from results, from our own entitlement, and from our own particular desires in order to serve the Lord in love. Amen.